Hello, America, and welcome to the Wednesday night special. I want to talk to you about what is happening in our country. And I know you'll say, oh, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed because I am. I don't know about you. I am absolutely overwhelmed. How do you watch all of this? How do you keep up with everything? How do you fight on so many fronts? The answer is you don't. You don't because it's not a multiple front battle. It just feels that way. There aren't uh, bad people in the schools that are trying to sexualize our children and you know, rip them out of our arms. And then over here, some people, uh, you know, in the Treasury and uh, in Wall Street that are looking to do ESG with a Klaus Schwab and the people. They're all the same. And they're not necessarily all connected with one another. They're not all calling each other. But they have the same root. We are not fighting a battle of left and right, Republican or Democrat. We are fighting a battle of good versus evil. And this will become very clear tonight. Next year, when I come back after the holiday break, I'm going to, I'm going to start preparing you for battle. And I don't mean a physical battle. I mean the battle that we're actually in, because I know I need it. I need training on multiple fronts, and I'll talk about that in the, uh, in the next year. So many things have changed, and so many people have just gone along with it, gone over the cliff with the rest of society. There shouldn't be any question at all whether children should be medically altered to give them an appearance of another gender. Just a few short years ago, we didn't believe that teenagers should be able to have augmentation, maybe breast reduction, but not breast enhancement. They shouldn't be messing with their faces. We used to talk about that. Now, no discussion. And everybody seems to think that it's okay. Well, I don't, and you don't. And if you do, you're wrong. No two ways to look at it. You're wrong. Now, let me show you how far this has gone. I show you this map of the country, the United States. You see those three states down there? Those are the only three states that don't allow gender procedures on children. 47 states and five territories in Washington, D.C. promote, quote, gender-affirming care for minors. I'm sorry. We are a nation that has gone evil. We have gone dark. We, our primary existence is all about protecting children. Is there, is there anything left of this country that you remember as normal? The United States of America as intended when children are only safe in three states out of 50? There shouldn't be a debate on this. There shouldn't be any questions about whether kids should be seeing sexually, uh, sexually explicit material in schools. We definitely shouldn't be discussing whether to take toddlers to drag shows. We're asking all the wrong questions. When it comes to the sexualization of our children, the question isn't whether kids should be exposed to this stuff. That much 
is obvious to people who haven't gone over the rails. The real question is, why is it so many people want children as an audience to things they should never be exposed to? Why do they think that this poor little girl needs to be paraded around by a drag queen while others stuff dollar bills into his thong. This is a dude, and the little girl's parents, quite honestly, should be thrown in jail. But all you hear is laughter and applause. I'm not deeming any of the people here evil, but I am pointing out this is evil in operation. The sexual exploitation of our children, and even pedophilia now, is being normalized. Something people 10 years ago told me, that old day, how dare you even say that? Pedophiles in California, over 7,000 of them, were just released from jail after serving less than one year in prison. The crimes included, and I quote, child rape, continuous sexual abuse of a child, sodomy with a child under 16, and kidnapping a child under 14 with the intent to commit lewd or lascivious acts. You, you kidnap my kid and you're raping my kid? This is the worst, the worst nightmare of every parent, the worst nightmare should be of every kid, the worst crimes that can be committed and they didn't serve a full year? When did pedophiles go from the worst of the worst to eh? Sexualizing children is being mainstreamed, and it is being mainstreamed because we are not standing up. Where is your and my church? It has infected every aspect of our society. You see it now all over the place. Broadway now has a play called Downstate. It focuses on a group of men convicted of child sex crimes. I can guarantee you I could write a play about Jesus and it would never, ever see the light of day on Broadway, but this is. The entire point of this play is to see these people not as monsters as they should be, but with compassion. It's a different choice. No. No. This used to be a topic all reasonable people could agree on. When we found out that it was happening over in some countries ruled by Islam, we all said, horrifying. Now we're embracing it, and we're not doing it for religious reasons. We're doing it because it feels good. This is monstrous, monstrous. The monsters that do things to our kids like this do not deserve our sympathy. Quite honestly, I could make a pretty compelling case they deserve the electric chair. And while I will have compassion for them, no. You do not cross this line. How is this play ever allowed to be made? How is it at this very minute, sitting on Broadway, the show is happening? Well, this is where the culture has shifted.
It's now mainstream. And if we tolerate, I am telling you, in a very short period of time, it will be embraced. And quite honestly, not to just pile on hyperbole, I actually believe this. If we allow this to continue to go, where is the line? We already dismiss life. We already are sitting quietly as Canada is now passing laws to euthanize children who are depressed. This happens, where is the line? You think you're going to have any power to say no to this? You will be liquidated. I would be liquidated in a society that is gone this evil. I want to show you this from the Washington Post. Quote, downstate is a play about pedophiles. It's also brilliant. Really? Well, I'm disgusted. I'd love for the author of both this play and the author of the Washington Post article to come on this program and make the case to not just me, but how about some of the victims of the thousands of pedophiles that were just released in California for, again, quote, child rape, continuous sexual abuse of a child, sodomy with a child under 16, and kidnapping a child under 14 with the intent to commit lewd and lascivious acts. Tell their families that their children's rapists need to be treated with more compassion. And it's brilliant. Go ahead. I welcome you. What's happening in our schools? It's now on Broadway. It's in all the arts. It's infected our criminal justice system in places like California. The president just signed a law into order saying that those last three states, they can't do anything about it. It's gotten so bad that these perverted dangerous criminals now feel they've been given the green light to blast their evil to anyone and everyone without any fear of real consequences. This has happened in the last couple of weeks. Do you remember the uh, Balenciaga fallout? This is the most recent example of this. Their creative team found no issue at all at showing you a child holding a teddy bear dressed in a sexual bondage costume with all kinds of other little products in front. As the backlash began to rise, Balenciaga tried to distance themselves, appearing to throw the blame on the photographer and the contracted design team. So if they didn't know what was going on, how do they explain the curious list of creative masterminds that have a history of working with this company? One is a former stylist. She is Lata Volkava. She doesn't work for Balenciaga anymore, and she wasn't involved in this current ad campaign. But I think her previous employment with them still kind of relevant. Take a look at some of her social media posts that she's made since private. Look at this. It's a little teddy bear. Yeah, and some sort of bondage scene. And then there's one about the child about to be eaten by some sort of giant demonic teddy bear. That's great. Here's a child that's been ripped apart. Mm -hmm. Don't you just love women? They're so nice. They get children. You can trust them with children, you know. What could possibly be her motive? 
I'll come back to that in a second. Let me talk to you about Chris Maggio. He's a photographer that worked with Balenciaga. Here's one of his photographs for them. Well, when internet sleuths zoomed in, they found that the papers on the desk have to do with a Supreme Court ruling on child pornography. Huh. Here's a website that shows a few more pictures of his work. Oh, look. His stylus was Lada Volkava. Mm-hmm. This photo shows a little girl and a woman with a teddy bear that looks awfully similar to the photos that blew all of this up. Now, I'm about to show you something else, but this is disturbing. Look away for the next few seconds if you need to. This is another Balenciaga photo shoot, okay? Why is this so disturbing? What is so horrible? Really? Well, there's a book right there on the back, circled in red. That's a book celebrating the Belgian painter Michael Boreman. It's in the background. Who is he? This is the part you want to look away from. Just the guy who just uh, paints pictures of castrated toddlers smeared in blood. That's it. All of these planted images and all of the questionable creatives that have not only worked at the country, a company, or together elsewhere, and Balenciaga claims not to know what's going on. Are we supposed to believe this isn't part of the overall culture? Now, think about all the cultural icons that our kids look up to. They see on social media all the time. This company has recruited um, these celebrities to mainstream their products. And how many celebrities actually stop taking their money? What's going on here? If you think anything's really going to change, it won't. Because you are no longer the mainstream. Evil is in the mainstream. Now, the man ultimately responsible for their, uh, this job is their creative director. He, by the way, is keeping his job. He said, quote, I need to learn from this. That was his response. Dude, if sexualizing and exploiting children wasn't part of your knowledge base yesterday, I'm not sure you're ever going to get it. I want you to know, and I will prove it to you here in a second, we are staring evil in the face. Make no mistake about it. I'll show it to you, prove it to you when we come back. I want to show you the New York Times. They tried to blame the Balenciaga scandal on QAnon. QAnon, when high fashion and QAnon co uh, uh, collide. Really? Don't question any of this. It's the crazy conspiracy theorist. I want you to know, I, I don't, you know, I don't know really anything about QAnon except what I've seen, and I don't buy into it, etc., etc. I think it's, quite honestly, some of it's very, very dangerous. But let me just say this to the New York Times. You are creating people like QAnon. It's you. Maybe you shouldn't try to deflect blame. Maybe this is why groups like QAnon keep springing up because they can't think of any answers of why normal human beings wouldn't be concerned about child rape. You know, you hear rumors about Jeffrey Epstein, and it involves very powerful people. We all know that. 
Those rumors involve the sexual exploitation of children. And then what do you report? That a judge is still debating on whether to unseal the documents that name some of the names that were involved with the child exploitation with Epstein. Hmm. Some of the names. Some of the names. Name all of the names. Unseal everything. I don't care if Ronald Reagan was his child pimp. I want to know about it. I believe we have a right to know who these very famous and powerful people are that were exploiting children. But it's all a secret. Ah, it's QAnon. Is it? This is how you create groups like QAnon. People want answers, and they're not buying any of your bullcrap. And in the presence of secrecy, people will fill in the blank on their own, real or not. Marxist, socialist, progressives all strangely have one thing in common when it comes to children and human life in general. Eh, they're objects. Objects that can be used and discarded. Oh, what about the children? Shut up talking to me about the children. When you let people who raped children continually out of jail. When you're just saying, hey, this naked man over here, yeah, he's got his nuts covered, but everything else is fine. That little toddler, look how cute. We're going to laugh about You have no credibility on taking care of children. Leftists have always viewed the world this way. During the progressive era, eugenicists spiraled their evil ideology in a very radical way. In fact, that's what led us to the Holocaust. It didn't start in Germany, kids. It started here with the progressive left. Now, most people on the left will think, oh, Planned Parenthood, it's all about women's rights. Is it? First of all, the most racist organization from the beginning. They wanted to kill black children. Then when you read hmm, some more recent stuff, oh, it's really not about women's rights, is it? This I want to show you is an archived Planned Parenthood memo. It says there, March 11th, 1969. It has a rather interesting title, and I quote, Activities relevant to the study of population policy for the United States. Hmm. Why is that? Oh, that's right. Because I had one of these guys, William Shatner. I love him. I love him. But he's crazy. Uh, he was part of this group. He still is. Before the cult of climate change, progressives were all on board with the cult of population control. Too many people. Too many people. Some of them have to die. American eugenicists, many of them brought here by progressive uh, politicians after their experiments in Germany, they were respected by progressives all over. And all over the tyrants of the world celebrated these people. Because population's a problem. And Planned Parenthood was ground zero for the entire movement here. This memo not only reads like a script from a horror movie or something from Mao, but it really reveals what the left truly stands for, whether they know it or not. 
They may not know or remember the origins, but it is important to see how you got here. If I have to know that Thomas Jefferson had slaves, then you need to know what your sick stock is all about before you make any more soup. I'm going to quote directly from the memo. The first part is directly from the first page, and I quote, This memorandum is response to your letter of January 24, seeking ideas on necessary and useful activities relevant to the formation of population policy, defined as legislative measures, administrative programs, and other governmental actions that are designed to alter population trends. So right off the bat, you wonder, is it really about women and protecting women? Or is it about population control as some sort of post-apocalyptic strategy? They wanted to, and I quote, justify an explicit U.S. policy of encouraging a specific universal limit on family size, end quote. Gee, that sounds a little like China. Oh, but China is the model for the future. When will people understand the gravity of that statement when you hear, you know, China is the model for the future. When will that impact people? They actually wanted to push legislation that dictated what your family looked like and how many people were in it. Liquidation, anyone? The memo goes on to mention that a mass wave of contraceptive handouts was the preferred method, but I find this part particularly interesting. Quote, effective contraception is efficiently distributed to all that want it, and abortion is available on demand as a backup. So abortion on demand, that, that wasn't the point. You're right, wasn't a point. It was a backup to reduce the population. Oh, I thought it was all about women's rights. The memo also came with an attachment that listed other proposed measures by population control experts. It was never said that any of these actual plans by Planned Parenthood uh, is what they were fighting for. But here are some of the proposed measures. Quote, restructure the family postpone or avoid marriage and alter the ideal image of the ideal family size. Oh, compulsory education of children, encourage increased homosexuality, educate for family limitation, <clears throat> fertility control agents in the water supply, encourage women to work, now, these are just a few of what they thought back in the 60s was nuts. Oh, no. Most of it is here. I don't think the water supply. Can somebody check? I, 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 I've heard crazier things happen in America now. It, 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 if it isn't a list of everything that's going on, except for the stupid water supply one, if it isn't a list of all the things that are going on, it sure rhymes. Again, nothing to suggest that Planned Parenthood had any plans to do any of these things, but it shows the links that population control academics with Planned Parenthood were willing to go. Fertility control in the water supply? That's madness even today. 
How many current Democratic flag-bearing issues can you spot in just this memo? Compulsory education of children. Oh yeah, how many of us have wondered why you are pushing so hard on our children and trying to get us out? Why are you ramming sexually explicit, comprehensive sexuality education into our schools? Encouraged increased homosexuality. What is the LGBTQ lobby still fighting over? It was marriage. It's not. Didn't they win? While they are um, winning and just moving on, they are now hypersexualizing our kids and exposing them to drag queens in schools and libraries. Education for family limitation. Who has wondered why they are shouting to destroy the nuclear family? Encourage women to work. Isn't workplace gender discrimination illegal? So what's that fight really all about? And regarding the education they keep um, referencing to both kids and families, check this quote from the full memo. Quote, in this area, it seems particularly important to distinguish between education and indoctrination. Whatever may be the merits and effectiveness of a truly educational effort, an indoctrination campaign may well have only negligible effects on fertility values, but may provide unintended support in building public opinion, uh, opinion which seeks legalized compulsory fertility control for selected groups, particularly welfare recipients, end quote. <clears throat> Tell me about Thomas Jefferson again? Well, that was 250 years ago. This one was 1969, and it sounds a lot like what you're pushing today. The admission here is insanity. They admit it has bonuses, especially on poor people. Ask any of your Democratic friends, do you know about any of this? Do you realize that every time the left screams human rights for women, LGBTQ, and nearly everything else, that it originated from propaganda to control the population and maybe wipe out some communities, you know? Let's call this for what it is. It is evil. Is our country less chaotic or more chaotic in the last 15 years? Who's the author of all chaos? Look at where all of this has driven us. Children are in danger and it's being mainstreamed. And who's standing up? Some moms? Most people don't know the origins of these things. Some do, I'm sure. Some truly do, I'm really sure. But most don't. You know, just like grandma said about the seemingly harmless Ouija board. All of a sudden, it's opened the door to something more evil. But this is an ancient evil, and it makes the progressive ideas regarding children seem like Sesame Street, which, by the way, don't trust. Leave it to the great Dolly Parton to be one of the only national entertainers and voices to rebuke the devil on primetime TV. Quote, my brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that Satan is real. He is real and walking amongst us, trying to destroy everything that is good and beautiful, end quote. I told you earlier I would show you more on that former designer's motives for Balenciaga, or whatever it's called. Take a look at this Instagram post. 
because she included a really interesting hashtag, Moloch. Most people don't know what Moloch is. Let me educate. Is the, Moloch is the ancient god in the Bible that people offered child sacrifices to. Other posts go on to reveal images that appear to have maybe a hint of satanic imagery or rituals. You be the judge. Keep in mind, this culture has penetrated top fashion brands in the world. They have most famous people in culture as ambassadors. This is true ancient evil. Has it ever been more widely publicized than today? I told you earlier the real question we should be asking is why, why do these people want children as their audience? Well, it's interesting when you see that Satanists are creating after-school programs at elementary schools. The statue on the side of this article is in the conversation room at the Satanic Temple in uh, Salem. Uh, can we scroll up or not? It depicts two children looking on in admiration. The photo was taken by Haler Hansen at an all-ages Christmas drag show in San Antonio, Texas. It has 666 in the middle of the gay rights flag. Homosexuals, are you okay with this? Hansen reported that during the event, a drag queen was seen touching and stroking child's hair. Attendees gave children money to give to the queens, end quote. So why do you want our children as an audience? Because that's what Moloch demands. It is evil. And it is growing. Back in a minute. Joining me now is somebody who understands and can explain what's going on behind the left-wing curtain, James Lindsay. He is the founder of the website New Discourses. He is the author of numerous books, including the latest, The Marxification of Education. He is also now holding the, uh, the title. I think, he's the, I think he is the king of people who have been banned by Twitter because he was banned for tweeting, okay, groomer and then permanently banned for saying, okay, child sexualization expert or specialist. Elon Musk has now let him back on. Oh, it's all part of the hate. James Lindsay. Hi, James. How are you? Hey, Glenn. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, so I wanted, to, I wanted you on specifically because, A, this has been something you will not let go of. Thank you for that. But also because... Um, we talked, I don't know, about a year ago, you were here in the studio and I said, James, I know you're an atheist, um, but um, I, I feel like the only word that can describe all this is evil. And you said, oh no, oh no, things have changed with me. I believe evil is the right word. Is that, I mean, people will hear that as hyperbole, but I think that's really, truly the root of it. No, it's the root of it. It really is. This is evil. It's malevolent. It's destructive. It's intentionally malevolent and destructive. 
the people doing it uh, believe that they're going to transform the world. You see that word all over, whether it's transforming education, transformative social emotional learning in education, 17 sustainable development goals to transform our world. Yeah, transform uh, capitalism, everything. That's right. And so to transform the world, the first step is to destroy the world that exists so you can replace it with something else, which, of course, they call Build Back Better. Uh, so this is an intentionally destructive program. And when you have an intentionally destructive program, especially one that targets innocent children to destroy them psychologically, emotionally, physically, in terms of their family relationships, the relationships to their country and their culture, you are talking about something that is intentionally evil. So we I can't believe you were banned for saying, OK, groomer, when a society bans groomer, uh, which is a play on, uh, you know, uh, OK, OK, boomer, um, when when a society bans that, when you're pointing out, hey, let's sexualize our children. What the hell happened? What the hell no, happened? I mean Communism happened, Glenn. This isn't the first time they've done it. There's a long history of sexualizing children in order to destabilize them, like I said, not just physically, not Give just in terms of their relationships. Give me the history of that, because I, I don't think I know that. Well, at least going back to the 1920s or earlier, when the Hungarian Soviet regime came into play with Bela Kun in charge, uh, he put a man named George Lukács, who could be considered the real father of cultural Marxism. We usually give that to Antonio Gramsci, but George Lukács could very well be recognized as the father of cultural Marxism. And he became the deputy commissar of education in the Hungarian Soviet regime. And one of the things he was very uh, forceful with, at least uh, allegedly, was pushing the sexualization of children, which has been an experiment that's been played with in the Soviet regime that was played within the Chinese regime because it destabilizes them psychologically and emotionally and it tears them up away from their family. It's a very powerful thing to locate a child's sexual identity and then to tell them that their parents are the reason and their culture is the reason why they don't get to be who they truly are, that their parents and their culture are the danger that has to be overthrown. Tapping into that as they turn into teenagers, eventually sexual energy, now in a destabilized psyche. This is how you make personality disorders. Um, James, uh, as I, I look at what is happening in our society, <laughs> and seeing um, how pervasive it is. Where, where are the beachheads? Well, the beachheads are, in fact, that something's happening at Twitter. We can't ignore that. Uh, the biggest beachhead is in the parents' movement. Maybe we could name a group like Moms for Liberty yes. or these other parents' groups. Yes. The parents are awakening, who are, by the way, dedicated to largely being normal people. They're not usually reactionaries. They're not usually kind of flying off the handle. They have things that, that, that are keeping them grounded. And that movement is awake. That movement is on fire across this nation. That movement has has all the skin in the game in the world. It's their children and their children's futures that they're fighting for. And they're, they're, they're usually very clear-eyed about it. And so with those movements awakening, the beachheads are there. So the beachheads are in the school board races, the county commission races. We didn't see a red tsunami or whatever in the big federal elections, but we did in the local elections. And these parents are the reason why. 
But this is um, perhaps a way to delay um, and to dismantle. But this is so well organized and so well funded. I mean, you look at the funding of these things. It's it's phenomenal. So what yeah, is I mean, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's come to fruit. I mean, they've been laying these plans for 50 or 60 years and there's a ton of money behind it and it is very well planned. It turns out, as you you know showed on the screen a moment ago, a picture of a drag queen looking at a child. It's also visibly grotesque and causes quite the reaction in normal people who don't want to see it. So this is a decisive moment in our, our country and in our future. Am I wrong about this? The New York Times talking, saying this is QAnon and saying no. Your denial of these things is what gives birth to groups like QAnon. Uh, yeah, that's that's correct. It's that the, the, they aren't willing to come clean or explain or be forthright causes groups uh, to follow, you know, whatever breadcrumbs they can uh, try to figure out what's going on. It's scary. It's strange. The the signs point in dark directions and people will latch on to things that are pretty wild that seem to be giving them hope or they seem to be giving them clarity. And so uh, that's why I do what I do and try to cut through all of this by reading the primary literature and, and all of these kind of different, you know, trains of thought, whether it's cultural Marxism or queer theory in this case or uh, education theory to see how these things have actually come about and what they're actually about. All right. More with James Lindsay here in just a second. I will tell you, we got here because Hillary Clinton said it takes a village and all the people are like, oh, it's right. It takes a village. It takes a village. It took a village to get us here. Here is my question. I know that it's going to take a family to get us out of here, and not my family or your family, but the entire family of God. Where are the churches? Back in a minute. James, I want to bring this article back up on the screen. This is from uh, Salon, and I, want, I, I, I really honestly want to know. Drag is not dangerous. How exposing your kids to drag performance can be a good thing. Do they actually believe that? And if so, how? Uh, yes, I think they do. They think that what it does is that it opens up potential for queer horizons, if you will, or queer futurities, they call them in their literature, to children who wouldn't otherwise possibly think that way. Uh, this is actually explained in the book, The Marxification of Education, I just wrote, where I talk about how they do it as a what they call a generative theme to get the kids to think about this thing for the first time. They, How is this possible that they think this is good? It's, it's actually pretty simple. There are some small percentage of, of kids who are going to be questioning their sexuality. They're going to be gender dysphoric. And the left believes that if you don't put all this stuff in their faces, those kids are going to get left behind, fall through the cracks, and then they're going to have a, a suffering teenager or teenage years and in, in, in adult life. And that they can catch those kids by putting this in front of them. Uh, and therefore, it's better while opening the minds of others. Okay, so it's, then how do those same people think it's going to affect the little kids that are not gender confused. They're not going oh, they, through they, any of that. Those How? kids are privileged. Privileged kids are already privileged. Nothing really bad oh. can happen to them because they believe society is already rigged in their favor. That's actually the mentality. Okay, okay. Um, let me show you um, con some contrasting maps. This is uh, for pediatric 
gender clinics in 2007 versus today. Show that map. Gee, uh, looks like capitalism has taken a hold here. Uh, a lot more. Is it capitalism? They just love capitalism. And that is that what's happening here? I don't think I mean, I'm sure these people are making money hand over fist on this, but mm -hmm. I don't think that it's that they have a love of capitalism so much as that they have a love yeah. of facilitating their agenda. Right. Right. What does that tell you about society and what's real and what's not? Were there that many kids that were just in the hiding or uh, is there something else going on here? I don't think that there are that many kids that were in hiding. I think that what we're seeing is the same playbook put out by Mao Zedong in China in the 1960s when he did the Cultural Revolution, which was to demonize certain identities. So the kids, especially in children, so the kids would want to go into the identities he was holding up as good. So you demonize the kids for their skin color. You demonize them about critical race theory and you hold out gay straight alliance clubs at school. You hold out uh, queer theory that you're teaching them through social emotional learning classes and classes classrooms and you hold out these queer identities as a place where they can go to get away from that stigma. You stick a drag queen in front of their faces so that they get the idea and think, maybe I can be queer. I can live queerly. That's what the drag queens themselves say about the program is that's what it's for. And when they adopt that, they're celebrated. All of a sudden they're affirmed, all these positive things, and they're no longer stigmatized for their skin color or for their complicity in systemic racism or their complicity in past evils like colonialism or whatever else. It's a, it's not even a social contagion. It's a pressure pump being done in a Maoist fashion on their identities, which is horrible when it's children. Have we lost this generation? I don't think we've lost them. I think we have to reach to them. And I think that one of the things I look around at the conservative movement and I, I, I see what where there are failings is that we're not reaching to the young people almost, I mean, not to get too religious with you, but almost like we're, we aren't ministering to them to answer these questions, to clarify these things. I heard before the break, you asked where the churches are and it's so important. These these, these used to be natural uh, places for mentorship, for connection. And we, we've we got to start mentoring our kids to answer these fundamental questions for them and bring clarity and discernment and, and even their own identities back to them so that, so that we don't lose them. I just want to point out, James, I love needling you on this. I just want to point out, you're saying the churches are instrumental in this and you have always you know, I think shied away from churches and things like that. You didn't believe in God for a long time. It's amazing yeah. to see that you're, you believe this is the answer. They're a crucial component to the answer. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost a crime how far removed they are Thank from you. taking up that role. Um, and in fact, in many cases, that might also be willful. The same maneuvers that were used to steal the schools have been used to steal the, the churches. churches. Yeah, get the College of Education, get the teachers, get the students, get the future, get the seminaries, get the pastors, get the laity, get the culture. It's the same exact playbook in both places, and it's played out. It doesn't matter which, uh, which faith yeah. all the denominations have got sucked into it. James, I so respect you, and I, I love the fact that I hope I can call you friend um, and having you on. Thank you so much, James. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Glenn. You bet. James Lindsay, his book is The Marxification of Education. Um, I, I think all of us need to um, look to our churches and say, 
you know what? Either you get up or I get up and walk out. I just want to leave you with this. Um, in the first chapter of Luke, you think it's the birth of Christ. It's not. It's the birth of that man who prepared the way, John the Baptist. Our children are the John the Baptists, I believe, preparing the way for the Lord to return. Guard over them. This is our number one priority. We'll see you again. Good night.